I'm going to flip the order of how I usually preach this morning. I go to your Bibles in uh, Judges chapter 6, if you will, and I want to open right away with uh, six verses. And, uh, and we're going to leap off brand new series today. If you're there, say I'm there. Judges 6. Judges chapter 6. It's towards the beginning of the Bible. And so uh, it's in there. It's like about the seventh book, somewhere in there. It's, it's, it's right there after Joshua. And, um, and, and we'll give you some information on who the judges are in just a minute. So Judges 6. I'm going to read verses 1 through 6. It says, The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. So the Lord handed them over to the Midianites for seven years. The Midianites were so cruel that the Israelites made hiding places for themselves in the mountains, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, marauders from Midian, Amalek, and the people of the east would attack Israel, camping in the land and destroying crops as far away as Gaza. They left the Israelites with nothing to eat, taking all the sheep, goats, cattle, and donkeys. These enemy hordes coming with their livestock and tents were as thick as locusts. They arrived on droves of camels too numerous to count, and they stripped, or they stayed until the land was stripped bare. So Israel was reduced to starvation by the Midianites. Then the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help. Have you ever gotten to a place where you cry out for help? Absolutely. And so there's actually a song that immediately comes to my mind. You, you, you guys hopefully appreciate some of my 80s references. But go back to Footloose, 1984, and the song is, I always called it I Need a Hero, but it's actually Holding Out for a Hero by Bonnie Tyler. And Kevin Bacon is doing the tractor uh, standoff where they're playing chicken, and you're hearing the music in the background going, I need a hero. And they're just, it's the slowest game of chicken like to ever have been played. And they're crawling towards each other on tractors. And, 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 but I can hear that song again in a couple other movies. And it's that, it's that passionate cry of, I need a hero. I'll take you back to a time. And if I've shared this story before, I'm sorry. I'm getting old. That's just like elder's privilege, right? We've all heard our dad's stories like 5,024 times. Well, you guys get to do the same with me. And so uh, one of my favorite times, and he's not here today, uh, one of my favorite stories about my dad. So I am in the basement of my best friend's house. We are, uh, they lived about six houses down from us across the street. And so this is early high school, I think, and, and it's still like at every Friday night we were at one or the other's house. It was that type of thing. And, and, uh, and my parents aren't here, so I'll make fun of them. But uh, his house had air conditioning and TV. So we were usually down at his house. We had a pool, so it was, it was fair trade in the summer. But anyways, so we're down in Nick's basement. I think it's just us. Might have been his younger brother or sister home too. His parents were out. He had an older brother, which is part of the story. And next thing you know, we've got a group of angry 18 to 20-year-olds outside the house. And they want to fight whoever is in the house. I mentioned that he had an older brother. Older brother decided to ask the girlfriend out of the main guy who was upset outside. So he is there for honor, blood, whatever else. And he doesn't care that the older brother isn't home. He wants to beat up somebody. 
And so there is five or six guys out there, in my mind at the time, like it felt like 20, and we're like, what do we do? What do we do? Like a couple ninth grade guys, like, you know, you want to talk tough, but this isn't happening. And so I'm like, we don't call the police. Like this is, that's lame. Well, I did even lamer. I called home. And I said, I said, Mom, I don't know what to do. She goes, let me get your dad. He's like, He's like, I'll take care of it, or I'll be right down, or something like that. And so we're sitting there. I'm like, okay, what's dad going to do? And so next thing you know, I start to hear some moving around outside, and I can hear some hushed voices, and I can hear some, you know, a little bit of trepidation, and I peek out the window, and here comes my dad. He's walking down the center of the street, and he's got about a two-and-a-half-foot piece of black pipe in his hand. And he's just, he's actually swinging it into the palm of his other hand. And then he starts pointing and basically said, who's the first? Who wants some of this? <laughs> now, my dad actually, like, he lived on his own from pretty much age 16 in Detroit. And so he, I, can, I basically saw the dark side. Like, I saw, I saw, whoa, like... These guys wanted nothing to do with my dad and this 30-inch piece of pipe. Like, they were gone. And I'm sure they said a few nice choice words, and then they got into their car, and they were gone. And I can just remember that feeling of, well, I was a little disappointed. Like, you want to kind of man up, but there's a time where you need a hero. And so we're at this place. We're in a new series, and it's called Hero. And if you see the, the title, there's a reason why the, why the O is a zero. And it's because I believe that the Bible is full of stories of God using the unqualified. And so many times I feel so inept at what God has put before me, at what God is asking me to do. I feel like a zero, and yet God is tapping me and saying, oh no, I want you to do this. I want you to lead this. I want you to talk to this person. I want you to plant this church. I want you to do this. And I can tell you that when those shoulder taps come, I'm not just like, oh yeah, that's me, right? Usually when those taps on the shoulder come, it's like, do you got the right guy, right? And so I feel like a zero and yet God is tapping me. So we're going to go through these stories over these five weeks of stories of God using the unqualified. Here are some things in people's past. So stories about people being afraid. Sounds like my story. How about a bad past or something in your past? And I've heard this from so many people. Like if, if, if I darken the doorway of a church, man, I'm just going to fall over dead because God can't handle what I'm dragging into that place. Well, first of all, sorry, you don't have the market on that. And, and there's nothing that you can't bring to the cross of Christ that he he can forgive it all, and he wants to. He's so excited when somebody comes. So we're going to talk about somebody that has a, a bad past. How about being too young? Some other uh, lack of qualification. How about just being ordinary? We talked about that in our fear series. Just, just be an average. I don't think that I have what it takes to do that. Now, what about being an outsider? 
I think we've all maybe had that place in life, and, and, and hopefully that's not the case of how you feel here, but oftentimes the first time you visit a church you, or any new place, you're like, I, I'm so uncomfortable right now. We go to a lot of trouble to make sure people do not feel like outsiders as fast as possible. It's so important that you know you're welcome here. But all of these things contribute to different people seeming to be unqualified for the roles that God would call them to. And so let's do some background on Judges. A few of these weeks are going to be from, uh, from this book. And so this time in history, if you're familiar with Moses, uh, the Ten Commandments, and let my people go, and, and, and the people leave Egypt, and then they start uh, moving through the desert, and then they finally go into the Promised Land under a guy by the name of Joshua. Joshua gets them in there. They conquer the area. They've moved in. Each family, there's like 12, right, that, that represent the whole big, large country or, or a group of, of Israelites. And they're each in their section that's been assigned to them, given to them by the Lord. And then Joshua says, I'm going home. I'm going to my part of the country. And we all need to listen to God, follow God's rules, and he will lead us and take care of us. Joshua did not want to be king, and God really didn't want Israel to have a king. He wanted to be their king. And that'd be something to tell you that we could start right there this morning. God wants to be your king. He doesn't want a middleman. I'm not up here to be a middleman between him and you. I'm up here to teach you how to get closer and have your own connection with him. It's so important that that happens because you will be so limited if all you can get of God is what you've got to get through me. Oh my goodness, that, that'd just be terrible. And, um, but I'm here to help assist you with that connection, but it's so important that you connect on your own. And so what happened was, okay, so what happens, mom and dads, when you leave the house and you leave a few rules for your kids and you're like, we'll be back, you guys know what to do. Aces? <laughs> I have said some amazingly hateful things over the phone because early on, like when you're starting to leave like an 11-year-old and a 13-year-old and, and like they just get nasty with each other, as you know, one of them tries to take over and then the other one, you know, is throwing a coup and they got the dog on their side and, and actually, you know, one of them calls and is like, ah! and we're like, can we just go out to dinner? And then pure violence through the phone. Like, I, if I was there, I, I could choke you audibly. I would. I'm using the force in my mind. I'm force choking you. No. I wouldn't force choke my kids. I choke them for real. It's much more satisfying. Um, isn't that terrible? What do kids do when you leave? They're kids. There's a reason why they require adult supervision. And even when one of them like hits 18, the others don't listen to them. Like, it's a joke. Like, okay, yeah, you're in charge, right. The same thing happened in Israel. Joseph goes back to his house. Or Joseph, Joshua. Sorry, I'll just make up stuff as we go. And it said they would fall into sin and the pattern of the judges, and really the pattern of the whole Bible up until Jesus comes, is where God's people would fall into sin, they would become a mess, and God would send somebody to lead them out of their mess. 
So the stories of Judges are really cool, and so that's where we're at. And so these Midianites are just these kind of rogue band of, of different people that would just kind of, like it said, it said they would strip the, whatever was there, they would take their food, they would take whatever was good, and then they would just kind of move on. They were, they were traveling uh, nomadic people, and, and, and yet Israel was cowering in fear from them. So that's the background on where we're at. And it says, we need a hero. Let me read you verses 11 and 12. Then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree at Ophrah. Not Oprah. Ophrah, I think. Which belonged to Joash of the clan of, these names are crazy, Abiezer. Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat, get this, at the bottom of a wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Mighty hero? This says that he is literally threshing grain down in the bottom of a pit so that the bad guys can't see him and steal his dinner. And he comes across the angel, and the angel addresses Gideon as mighty hero. And I think that is so hard. It was so hard for Gideon to hear, and I think it's hard for us to hear today when God would place us at a place in a story, either a role or something we've got to do, and he taps us on the shoulder and he says, I need a hero. You're up. Well, I don't know about you, but as a little kid, I can remember when people would ask for, like, volunteers, I'd be like, pick me, pick me, right? I mean, that's like kindergarten. Then fast forward, like, five years, and then the kids are like, the teachers understand this. Like, no, you're not picking me. Like, everybody knows, like, to keep their hand down at that point. Like, you're done volunteering for things. And adults get even worse. We talked about this in the Fear series. You're like, no, I, I, I'll take a pass, I'll take a big fat pass on that. I'll let this guy lead. I'll let this person lead this project. I will happily do this part of the job. I will fill in behind the scenes. But no, don't pick me. Gideon is not excited about this. It says, he says a couple things, very profound. He says, why? Why has God abandoned us? And he says, where are all the miracles that I heard so much about. If you want to be honest with me this morning, how many of you, all of you, have said the exact same thing? Why has God forgot about me? And where are the miracles I heard so much about? Right? I still say that sometimes because I know that God can heal physically. I've seen it, but I want to see it more, right? I know that he's with me and he hasn't abandoned me ever, but there are still times where I feel like I look around and, God, this, you can't be here for me to be in this bad of shape. Now, I can take a quick pause right here and, and remind you of what verse 1 said. It said that the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight, and it said he handed them over to the Midianites. Sometimes the trouble in our life is because we've allowed it in. 
I, that's just like, sorry, if, if, if you don't like that, then I, I, can't, I can't pretend that that's not true. Okay, and and so so some of the things like if your finances if your finances finances if your finance financially in trouble, is it your patterns that have led you to that place, or is it something else that's happened? Sometimes it's a combination of both. Maybe it's losing a job, but you see what I'm saying. So sometimes there's there's unraveling that that God will help us do, but it's stuff that that has come our way because of decisions we've made. Israel was in trouble because Israel was not following God's laws. And they were reaping the, the results of that. And so, so obviously Gideon is venting. He says, not excited. Uh, I'm not excited about this. Why has God left us? Where are the miracles? And then it says, the angel replied to him simply, go. Hang on, you didn't, you didn't hear me correctly. It actually says you have, it says, go with the strength you have. God knows what you have when he taps you on the shoulder. He's not surprised by that. He's not surprised that Gideon, he, he knew where to find him. He's not surprised that he is harvesting in fear for his life, just trying to keep some harvested grain back so that they could avoid starvation and keep some food back from the Midianites. God knew exactly what he had, and he says, I call you. So how do we go from zero to hero when we are afraid? This first one is all about fear. And we just came off the series. I referenced it before. Um, Identity Crisis was our last six weeks. I really encourage you to check that series out if you missed any of it. Um, I, I just feel like there's a lot of value there. But what if you are coming from a place of fear how do you move in to the place that God has for you? You might not be the main character of the story. He is. But he still has roles for us, for us to play. And you might, be, you might be a leading role in some subplot that he's got going on. He might need you to minister to that person at work. You might be the only God-loving, Jesus-believing Christian within that person's circle to help them through that difficult time. And so he taps on your shoulder and he says, I need you to do that for me. What can we do? Number one is you can confirm the call. I love this part of the story because I don't believe that God is at all offended when we want to confirm what he's asked us to do. And I would also say that I would be cautious of just running rogue on one person's thus saith the Lord. What do I mean by that? I've grown up in church. And when you grow up in the kind of churches that I've been around, there's a lot of people that like to throw out, thus saith the Lord, before a lot of things they say. The, the Lord says we ought to get pizza for dinner. And it's like, you just want pizza. Now, he may really want you to get pizza that night. This is what I'm saying. God is not afraid of you confirming the call. So if you are feeling like he wants you to do this, my encouragement to you is to go to a few other people that you know love Jesus, they have walked with him a long time, and ask them to pray about what you're hearing or what you're feeling or what somebody else told you you should do. Does that make sense? This is not a lack of faith. This is called wisdom. Because we are still like 
my antenna can get goofy. Like, I'd really try to hear the Lord, but God is not afraid of confirming what I say from somebody else to you. Is that okay? So get this. Gideon does that. He does it right away. He says, I'm going to need a sign from you. It says he leaves this guy. The angel says, I will wait for you. It was appropriate to take care of your guests. This says that Gideon went home and cooked a goat. I haven't cooked a goat lately, but I'm pretty sure that's not like five minutes in a microwave. So like Gideon goes home, even an air fryer, like a pressure cooker, like we're still talking some time. So it says that Gideon, check it out. He says he goes home and cooks a goat, makes some bread, and then brings it back. Now, I think this is a little rude, actually. Guess what the first, guess what the sign is that the angel gives to Gideon? He says, I'll put the, put the food on that rock over there. It says he reaches out his staff. The end of the staff touches the food, and it just bursts into flame, and she gone. I bet that was some good goat. And remember, people are starving here. Like, I don't know. That seems a little classless. But, you know, I, I, can't, I can't criticize here. So there's sign number one. And then who has heard about the fleece, Gideon's famous fleece? Raise your hand if you've heard of that. Don't be embarrassed if you haven't. There's a reason why, if you've ever, it's an older phrase even now, but it would have been used even more in, in English language uh, probably 100 years past where you'd say, I'm throwing out a fleece for something. And what that refers to is I'm going to test the waters for something. I'm going to see if this is a good idea. It goes back to this story. As Gideon is getting his marching orders from God, he says, I just want to make sure this is really you. And I'm going to get the order backwards, but it goes like this. He says, I'm going to put out a fleece, literally a skin from a sheep. Okay, all of you vegans, so sorry. Two of you, okay. Um, the one night, he says, I want to wake up and for the ground to be covered with dew, everything else around it to be wet, but for the fleece to be dry. He wakes up the next morning. That's exactly what happens. Gideon says, I just, just, just triple checking here. And then he flips it. How about the fleece to be soaking wet and the ground, which should normally be covered in dew, to be completely dry? And it happens. We should, especially what God asks us to do, like I didn't just come across the first whim of planting a church and be like, that's it. Here we go. Are you kidding me? Like I was just like Gideon. Are you sure, God? And then it was, let's really make sure before I go on this adventure. Can I tell you that the call qualifies you? I just did. Can I repeat it? I will. The call qualifies you. Because when God locks in that call and you verify that it's Him, that's all that is needed to ensure that His provision is coming along with the call. That's it. 
want to uh, include an illustration, a, a story. Um, this isn't about dad threatening people with pipes anymore. This is uh, a little more boring. But uh, Danielle and I were uh, on staff at a church, and we needed to, uh, we had a new pastor coming in. The former one had retired. He's actually uh, hiding out down in Florida for a few weeks, Pastor Scott is. And, um, and so uh, he was retiring, a new pastor is coming in. Well, we were living in the parsonage. What's a parsonage? Parsonage is a home owned by the church. We lived in it. And so we had an idea that the, the new guy coming in wanted that house. We were the youth pastors, and, and, um, and we had some resolution. Uh, just It kind of started trickling in. We actually had the option of staying, and then uh, the church would just basically come up with the money to rent another house for the incoming pastor. We started to feel strongly that we were supposed to give up the house. Now, I didn't make a lot of money as a youth pastor, um, <laughs> and uh, if you can imagine. And, uh, and so we were a little nervous, like it was a really cool thing to live in a nice house that was provided for by the church. And then we were uh, facing the, the situation of, okay, now we get to buy a house with what we make. And, uh, and, and that sounded really exciting. And, uh, and so we confirmed the call. We went from, uh, we talked to different people. We had uh, different, uh, from, from parents to um, people that had walked with Jesus for a long time, that had looked after us over in that church. And we just wanted to make sure that we were doing not just the cool thing to the incoming pastor, like it was the nice thing to do. We wanted to do what God wanted us to do. Because if he calls it, then that means his provision is going to be attached to it. And when I go rogue, I shouldn't be too disappointed, even though I am often, when God's provision doesn't follow. Okay? So here's Gideon. Where's God? Why, 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 why? It's because they were doing their own thing. And so Gideon confirms the call. We confirmed the call, and we began to look for a house. The point of the first one about confirming the call is this. Availability and obedience are all we bring to the table. Now, you could bring a good attitude. That would help. But when God tapped Gideon on the shoulder, that was all that Gideon could bring. Yes, Lord, I'm available. And then obedience to actually do what he says, which if, you, if you're not obedient, then you're probably not really available in the first place. So that's it. Gideon was so concerned about what he didn't have, and God said, you're going to get started with what you have. So number one is confirm the call. Uh, confirm the call. Number two, expect, oh, you're going to love this point, expect the pain. That didn't get any amens. Why is that? I'm right though, right? Expect the pain. What do I mean by that? We would like, in our mind, because we do not know what's best for us, we would like that for the greatest challenge to just be saying yes to something. Wouldn't that just be great? Was saying I do very hard at the altar? 
No, but living sacrificially and putting your spouse first so you can stay married and a blessing to each other for 50-some years, that's work, right? And a little painful. The wives said amen. Tough crowd today, tough crowd. When you say yes to something, that's when the work begins. What's... I hear that pregnancy is like a little difficult. Like, from what I could tell, like it was a little uncomfortable um, on some days. And, and no, depending on, the, depending on the pregnancy, depending on the person, depending on what part of the pregnancy, you don't know what color is going to come out of your mouth, right? Like, it's, it's go time. My daughter is so nauseous right now, and she's like six or seven weeks pregnant. Like, she is just, like, don't, like, don't unsettle me is like what she's like. She's trying to just like stay still when she's on the phone with me. And then I hear childbirth is relatively easy. Like it goes like that usually and, and <laughs> help him, Lord. He's going to die up here. No, the pain is crescendoing all the way up until the wind. Right? So I'm, I, I know this is encouraging this morning, but expect, I want to encourage you because if you're going through a difficult time and you've said yes to Jesus on something and the trouble's coming, I want to encourage you because that's part of the process. And here's the thing that I've realized in my limited experience at my age is that this is the part that changes you. If every time I said yes to God, the wind came and then it was over, have I grown at all as a person? No. What does God want us to do? He wants us to grow in our faith. Do you know how you grow in faith? Painfully. And that's when you wait and you get to the moments of, God, are you really going to show up? God, I need you to come through with this. I don't know where you're at. You could be with an illness today. You could be with a financial situation today. You could be with a relationship that is in a very painful situation. And I, my encouragement to you today is that if you are following God through it, then the pain is okay and it's part of the process and it's actually what God uses to make you healthier and stronger. I didn't write the rules. It's what he does. So number one was confirm the call. Number two, expect the pain. What happens to Gideon? He says yes to God. The people all get excited. We're going to go kick some Midianite tail. We are ready to do some business for God. God is with us. 22,000 guys show up and God says, that's too many. Too many? God says this. He says, how about you tell them that anybody who really, really doesn't want to be here can go home. Well, if you tried that at boot camp, or like if you tried that, like, I'm good. Like, now I know I look like I'm getting ready to go into boot camp, but are you kidding me? I can just go back home? Free pass? 12,000 of them did. They went from 22,000 to 10,000. 
Okay, well, that makes sense, God. Now just the people who really want to fight, they're here. That kind of makes sense, right? I'd rather have, I really, I, I would rather have five people on a team that really are excited about serving this church than, than and I, I'd rather the seven people that really have their own agenda just to just stay off the team. I, I, as a leader, that actually makes sense to me. Lived it, got the t-shirt. God says, still too many. And he says something like this. He said, if you guys win with this size of an army, I might not get the credit for it. Huh. And then through this elaborate thing, he says, take him to get a drink of water, and whoever drinks water this way out of the stream is on the team, and whoever does it the other way is off the team. And he ends up down to 300 men. 12,000 say, I'd rather be home. Amen. And then 90-some percent of the rest just decided to drink water a certain way. So in other words, like, I've heard people preach like there's something there. I don't think there's anything there. But that's beside the point. I think God just used something to separate so that it became a miracle. So back to our house hunt, or the house hunt that began. So we had a, a massive house hunting budget. You know, it was like, like, like this is Pickerington. And so we're like, okay, there are, there are five houses that are actually in our price range in Pickerington. And uh, one had more, like, like you didn't want it like you wouldn't want to live there and uh, and so we're looking around we're seeing what's coming up and and I've shared part of this story before there was a house uh, that had been on the market down around Long Road this really cool uh, uh, colonial red house that's been there forever and and uh, and it like fell like down into that price range and but it was in contract and so so Danielle and I were like we're on this house hunt and nothing is nothing is we're not like new this isn't going well. And then we got locked into, we felt like we were supposed to wait and see what happened to this house and contract. The contract went through and the people closed on the house. And we were like, our faith was saying like, this house is gonna come out of contract right at the right point. We're gonna move in. We were like first dibs on it if, if it went through. We, had, we walked through the house a few times and we got ourselves like jacked up, excited about this house. And then the people had the nerve to buy it that obviously liked it ahead of us. And, you know, so after cursing them, no, I'm just kidding. Um, God, what are you doing? It's painful. And then I, I have to have Danielle remind me the details because of my, she's the hard, has the hard drive of the family. My memory is crazy. And, um, I was graduating, so we, we basically were looking house hunting in April. I was graduating in June, which was out at uh, the West Coast, and um, I'd been going mostly online through, through a Bible college out there, and, and so we were excited about that, but we had to be out of the parsonage at the beginning of June, like, also. Hmm. April. May. No house. So number one, we can confirm the call. Number two is expect the pain. 
God likes God-sized challenges. And I'll just stop there for a second. If your challenge doesn't require a miracle, if your dream doesn't require God to show up, I don't think it's his dream for you. He is going to lead you to places and lead you towards things that only he can accomplish in your life. And so maybe there's something that you've just not dared to latch on to that he might want you to. Again, I would encourage you to confirm the call. But God likes God-sized challenges, and we are scared to death of them. God enjoys them, and he actually wants it to be something where only he can get the credit for. So the message for that part of it is stay the course. Those are painful times, but you've got to stay the course. I can remember being in that season and in other situations like this where we are following God, the pressure's building, the pain, it's getting more and more uncomfortable, and we, we stay close to the people that, that, we, you know, that, that walk with the Lord, that we trust, and they just keep encouraging us. Stay the course. Stay the course. Stay the course. So number one, confirm the call. Number two, expect the pain. Number three, wait for the miracle. God will show up. Verse 22 here in Gideon's story, it says that they surrounded the camp. They split up into, into groups of, of 100. So that makes three groups. Uh, last time I used my math. And uh, they, they separated into groups, and then all they had were like lights and, and, and horns, and they just all at once surrounded the camp of the Midianites and they just started yelling, blasting their horn, and holding up the lights, and it's uh, the flames. And it says that God caused confusion in the camp of the Midianites. It says that they began to fight and kill each other, and whichever ones weren't killed by each other fled and kept running. What did Gideon and his army of 300 have to do? This story says that not one of those 300 killed a single Midianite. Are you serious? Just Gideon could have done that. That's the point of this story. Is that whatever God says and wants to happen, He's just waiting for us to be available and to be obedient. And then if we will push through the times of the pain, the miracle will come. You're sitting in a miracle. I tell the story as often as possible. We did not have a building. We did not know if the church was going to continue. And then somebody bought this building and paid cash for it for us. Now, we will be working on it till Jesus comes back, but it's ours. It's ours. And I watched it happen. I didn't do anything except be available and obedient. And so who can get the glory? Adam and his tremendous leadership skills. Not on your life. I can only give every ounce of credit to God the Father who obviously wants this church to keep going and growing and reaching people. Right? So number one, confirm the call. Number two, expect the pain. Number three, wait for the miracle. God will show up. So Danielle and I are on the house hunt. Story's wrapping up here. And 
I really wanted to buy, like if, now granted, I'm hinting that I did not have a great sum of money to buy, but if I could buy what I wanted to, it would be like 20 acres with me in the middle of it and a six foot privacy fence around and one of those really cool gates like some of our neighbors here have. And only like Danielle has the code because even the kids lose it after they move out. Like, like that's like, I'm just kidding. The grandson can have it. We're in this neighborhood. It's the neighborhood we live in now. And God is so good. I was a little, it wasn't my first choice to live in a house that looked like the 10 immediately around it and to basically share a backyard. And, and you know, those, like most of us live. I, it, that, that was not what I wanted, and yet God put us there to help build this church. And I've got friends that I never would have had. And so we go to this house as a foreclosure, and so it was like right there at the edge of what we could afford. And um, it was listed as three bedrooms and a, and a half basement, and so the information was wrong. I'm down in the basement, and I realize it's a full basement. And so I yell upstairs, Danielle, there's a full basement. She yells back down, there's four bedrooms up here. We're buying it. Like, it was... And it was right at the end of like the, the, the downturn of the housing and, and just the, the financial side of it, that house would sell for about double what I paid for it today. Now I would have to spend the same amount to buy another house, so we're keeping it. But are, are you serious? God took a youth pastor and his wife and, and put them in a, I mean, it needed work too, but it was all stuff I knew that I could do. And then he used the house, he used where we live to help us build relationships that still affect uh, us today in this church. The moment is coming when you will realize that God moved. And sometimes you get a little past it and all of a sudden you're like, hang on a second. God showed up, right? I was so anxious. I was so nervous. I was in so much discomfort. I was so confused. I was so tired of the journey. Hang on a second, God showed up, right? Who has a story like that? I'm not going to ask you to repeat it. Who has a story like that in this room? I know they're out there. You wait for it. You confirm that you're on God's course. The pain is coming. That's going to be a part of every story. But then, if you stay the course, God shows up. Here's the aftermath. You have a choice of who's going to get the glory. You have a choice. Yeah, this is me and my sweet real estate skills at work here. Or I could do what I just did and say, God blessed us with the house. He knew that we needed to be in. It was more house than we thought that we could get. And we love living there. Sometimes God just shows off. And he loves to blow our minds. The rest of the worship team, you guys can come forward. We have a choice with this glory after a, after a big win. We can keep it, or we can give it.
And the beautiful part about the Bible is one of the many things. I say this over and over again. One of the reasons why I know it's real is because it's full of stories of unqualified people being heroes. If the Bible was just propaganda and just some weird religious marketing tool, like we would not get the background that we normally get. Gideon would not be hiding on the threshing floor and saying, oh, not me, where is God? Like that would have been edited in the first draft. Do you see what I'm saying? This says that Gideon was in a place just like you and me get to of why has God allowed me to be here? Where is he? Where are the miracles I've heard so much about? I'm down here hiding. I'm living my life in fear because I don't believe that God's really going to show up and take. He saw Gideon for who he really was, just like where you and I hang out today, and yet he still reached out and tapped him on the shoulder and said, you're my guy for this part of the story. So around this room, God is... He has already called you guys to different things, and he might be calling, he will call you to new things. He's going to say, I need you for this part of the story. I need you for this part of my story. I need you for this part of my story. Confirm the call. Expect the pain. But then watch God show up. Can we bow our heads in prayer this morning? Just feel led to ask for a few things this morning. Is there something God has asked you to do that you've maybe not necessarily avoided uh, like for a bad reason, but you just have, you're waiting for confirmation. You, you want to know that it's really him. He's okay with that. If that's you this morning, then, then I believe that God is going to speak to you. And, and hopefully even bring somebody else with a word that matches your situation. If that's you this morning, then reach. Say, God, I, I want you to confirm this. God, I want to make sure this is you. He cares. He cares about where you work. He cares about where you go to school. He cares about where you live. He sure ha- cares who you're going to marry. He sure cares what you're going to do with your life. He, he cares where you're going. If you need that confirmation today, ask him for it. I'm guessing that many of us in this room are feeling the pain, the squeeze of a situation. You're uncomfortable and the discomfort is increasing consistently. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's a a toxic relationship. Maybe just, you know, something has got to change or or you're trying to push through uh, to something God has called you to do and and you're just not getting the results that you're looking for. And and I just want to speak encouragement over you this morning that the pain, the process is how we grow. And so, Father God, I pray that you would, you would speak your encouraging love over this group this morning. God, that if we know something is you, God, that we will have the strength to see it through. And finally, do you need a miracle? 
you need a miracle. Father God, I pray that we would see things in our lives and in this church that only you can get the credit for. We already have, God, but I pray that the floodgates of heaven would open up. And God, I thank you that we would give you the glory. I thank you that we would give you the glory. If you've never trusted Jesus with your life and you're prepared to this morning, that's where it begins. Is that you this morning? You're ready to say yes to Jesus, to following him? Just want to make that a clear and available every week. Amen. Let's stand and close in worship this morning. There'll be people up front here that want to pray with you and talk with you and counsel you. If you made a decision or something you want me to know about or the staff, then please follow up at Next Steps and make sure that we know what's going on so that we can walk with you. Thank you.